All right, take your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 2. As you are well aware by now, uh, Paul is in the middle of a lengthy discussion on sin, or if you will, the depravity of mankind. And being that all of man is sinful, um, he has made it very clear in this text that he's dealing with both Jew and Gentile. From starting in chapter 1, verse 1, and getting to where we are today, he's dealing with, and he talks separately about Jews and Gentiles. Now, even though that is the case in our last time here in chapter 2, which was a couple weeks ago, but in our last time here in chapter 2, Paul explained that the Jew and the Gentile will not necessarily be judged the same. Simply put, people will be judged based on the light that they have been given. If you notice there in chapter 2, just to do a quick review here, if you notice back there in chapter 2 in verse 12, Paul says, all who sin apart from the law, those are the Gentiles, okay? They don't have the law. They were never given the law of God. They're Gentiles, right? All those who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law, those are the Jews, will be judged by the law. And so as you can see real quickly here, both groups of people are sinners. And certainly without forgiveness through Jesus Christ, he says they will perish, okay? They will be judged. The difference here is that the Gentiles never had the law of God, the written law of God, the Mosaic law. The Gentiles never had it, but the Jews did. And so even though without Christ, both will perish, the standard of their punishment will not be the same. And for that matter, it's really no different uh, when Christians die. We know that we will go to heaven because we have been forgiven of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we all won't have the same rewards, will we? 2 Corinthians 5.10, it's no different for us, okay? Now, um, the Jews, Paul is saying, will be held to a higher standard because God gave them not just the law, as he says here, but God really gave them everything, didn't he? God gave them the law, God gave them the covenants, God gave the Jews the promises, uh, the temple worship, the prophets were for Israel, right? The patriarchs, all of these. No other nation on earth were given these to, none outside of the Jews and therefore, standing before God, if you will, to use the words of Paul from chapter 1, they have no excuse. They can't, they're not going to stand before God one day and say, well, gee, I had no idea because God had blessed them and given them everything. Okay? And by the way, just for your benefit, if you weren't here the last couple of sermons, um, if you want to know a little better understanding of the uh, differing judgment between the Jews and the Gentiles, you can go back to Luke chapter 12, you can go back to Matthew 11, and also the author of Hebrews writes about it in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, if you want those scriptures, come up to me later and I'll give them to you, okay? They'll give you a little better because Jesus spoke on these differing judgments uh, as well. But now, if, if this concept isn't tough enough for these Jews or painful enough, he tells them in verse 13, he says, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. He says, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared 
righteous. They were given the law, right? They'll be judged by the law. But he just turns around and says, but listen, just because you have it, right, doesn't mean you're declared righteous. Listen, folks, many, many Jews knew the law of God, and they knew it well, right? They learned it as a child. They heard it on the Sabbath. They grew older. They went to the synagogues, and they heard it there as well. But that, in any way, did not make it so God would give them a pat on the back and say, here's the master key to the pearly gates, right? He says here, they must obey it. Big difference, right? So he's saying here, yes, you have been blessed to have been God's chosen people, right? Over every nation, you are God's chosen people. You, he says, were given the law. But its purpose, and this is for you as well out there, its purpose was not simply to frame it and hang it on your wall. He says it must be lived out very similar to James chapter 1 verse 22. And I like this because James adds a little caveat. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Folks, how many Jews then or how many Christians today have deceived themselves somehow thinking they're right with God? I'm heaven bound. Paul's not messing around when it comes to verses like these because the last thing he wants for anyone is to, to be surprised by the words of Jesus that we've read before in Matthew chapter 7, and that is, depart from me. I never knew you. Paul doesn't want that for anybody. So he says, look, just because you've, you, you've read the law or you possess the law, do you obey it? Do you live it out? Right? Are you saved? Is that your heart's desire? Are you hungering that truth? Now, moving forward into verse 14, Paul went on to answer the question that he knew people were thinking about, and that is this. Well, wait a second, Paul. If the Gentiles are not going to be judged by the law, then what will they be judged by? And so he gives them the answer in verses 14 and 15. He says, indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law, listen to what he says, when they do by nature the things that are required in the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. And here it is, because, or since, verse 15, because they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience is also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. So Paul says that even though they don't, the Gentiles don't have the law, what does he say? They are a law for <clears throat> themselves. Well, what does that mean? Well, he says it right here in the verse. They are a law for themselves, he says, listen, because they do by nature. In other words, they do naturally. What? They do the things required by the law. They do that naturally. They're a law for themselves. And so despite he's saying the apparent uh, disadvantages of not knowing and not possessing the law of God, he says the Jews, uh, as the Jews did, he says they, the Gentiles, they do what the law requires. Okay? Now how, how is that? How does that even work? Well, 
Did you see what he said there in verse 15? He says, because they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Did you see that? No, that doesn't mean they know the entire Pentateuch, right? That's on the top of their heads, all 613 laws and commands. No, they don't know all those. But it does mean that they, quote, naturally, right? Paul says, by nature, they do have a limited knowledge of God's law. They do know the difference between right and wrong. Even though they don't have the law, they know the difference between right and wrong. Within mankind, as, as he says here, written on our hearts, is a basic moral law. It's an internal system of morals that, that parallels some of what is already written in God's word. They don't have God's word, but they have it where? On their hearts, right? Folks, even an atheist, think about this, even an atheist who doesn't believe there is a God, who doesn't even believe there are any moral standards, knows within himself that certain things are right and wrong. They don't even believe there is a creator God out there. But they know within themselves, right, that there is a right and a wrong. And then, of course, connected to that, that internal system, right? It's written on man's heart, Paul says. Verse 15 says, God gave us what? A conscience. He says God gave us a conscience. Paul says that conscience either accuses us or it defends us. It's one or the other, okay? You can want nothing to do with God, folks. You may not think about God. You don't want to believe in him. You don't, nothing. When you wake up in the morning, God is the farthest thing from your mind. But when you do something that is instinctively wrong, once again, it's written on your heart, your conscience begins to bother you, doesn't it? God put that there. And so even without the law, man is without excuse. Chapter 1, verse 18, we went through it prior. God revealed himself to us through what? Creation, right? And then here, he says, he has written it within us, a right and wrong on our hearts. And then he's given us a conscience as a reminder, okay? A lot going on. There's so much to talk about in the book of Romans, that being one of them that's not really discussed, certainly very, very often. So with that reminding us from our previous studies, I hope that it brings your mind back into the context of where we're at here in, in Romans. We're going to move forward, and Paul is now going to point the finger. Okay, got the old finger out. He's going to point the finger at one particular group, and that is the Jews. Now, as a Jew himself... A former Pharisee, as you guys know, Paul knew all about national pride. He knew all about the false sense of security of the Jewish heritage. He knew it, right? Well, that being said, he also understands the hypocrisy that goes on there. Read with me, if you will, verses 17 through 24. 17 through 20 might seem a little odd because it's really one sentence, but read with me the whole thing. Paul says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, 
If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are being convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth, verse 21, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who say, uh, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Verse 24, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow. That's a verse to think about. Well, this morning we're going to be looking actually just at the first four verses, okay? And then next week we're going to be looking at the next four or the last four. Now, the first four verses here, which is 17 through 20, understanding that they, meaning the Jews, were God's chosen people, right? It deals with their attitude here of, of self-righteousness, Okay? It's, it might be harder to see until you connect it with the second half. Okay? That's why I wanted to read the whole thing, because now you know what's going to come up next week. Okay? But he's dealing with their attitude of self-righteousness, and of course we begin to see that right here, beginning in verse 17. I'm going to read that again. Paul says, now you, being very emphatic, you, if you call yourself a Jew... If you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, stop. Once again, it may seem like I'm stopping right in the middle of the sentence because I am, because this is all one long sentence, okay? Now, as we began here, as I just read in verse 17, let me just say that the word, uh, the word if there, it's really been, uh, better translated as since, Okay? very important we we do understand that basically since you call yourself a Jew or you can say for the fact that you call yourself a Jew however you want to phrase that in the Greek this is what's called a first class conditional sentence and therefore in this verse it's the word if is assumed to be true and therefore you and I would simply translate that as since because it's true okay so keep that in mind here so he begins here in verse 17 with since or because you call yourself a Jew. Now, folks, the word Jew has a lot of value to it if you are a Jew. There's a lot of value to that. As I was reading this last week, uh, particularly when I began looking at uh, uh, Kenneth Wiest, we're t he's talking about how there are three titles that they can give themselves. Okay? They can call themselves Hebrews. They can call themselves Israelites, and they can call themselves Jews. Now, using the word Hebrew would actually separate themselves as Hebrew-speaking rather than Greek-speaking. In other words, using the word Hebrews would be to say they're more traditionalist instead of being Hellenized. Hellenized meaning that uh, you have adopted to the Greek culture, so they would speak Greek instead. 
So Hebrew really focused around their language, right? Their, their traditions. Now, they also, as you know, called themselves Israelites, which that focused more around the land that God had promised them through his covenant with Abraham. You'll find that, by the way, in Genesis chapter 15. So as we know, as the land of Israel, Israelites, that's what the focus is around the land if you wanted to be using the term, I'm an Israelite, okay? Now, calling oneself a Jew, which by the way is short for Judah, okay? Remember there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Southern kingdom was Judah, one of the 12 tribes. To call oneself a Jew distinguishes themselves, obviously, from the Gentiles, right? And it denotes nationality. It characterizes their racial as well as religious heritage. And to them, that shows that they are distinct from every other nation under the sun. Which makes sense, don't we? Doesn't it? Because we know Jews and Gentiles, right? That's all there are. Israel are the only Jews. The entire rest of the world are Gentiles. So yes, it does distinguish them literally from every other nation under the sun. Being called a Jew marked them as God's favored people. God did not choose 15 different nations. He chose one, didn't he? The problem, though, is that this brought forth arrogance. Arrogance. A self-righteous attitude from those very same Jews. It's like someone you know, looking at you today and saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're speaking to? It's, it's, that, it's that mindset. It's one thing to have a national pride. And I, think, I think we all kind of have that to some, to some degree. But they took it to believe that they were better than everybody else. See? They completely missed the point that God did not choose them because they were special. God chose them. He chose them to be his people, to, to, to be a channel for the rest of the world. Right? You don't usually hear that talked about too much, but that was God's purpose. But they didn't want to do that. I don't want to do that. They don't want to share their glory. They are God's chosen people. I don't want to share my God, our laws, with these pagans. And they didn't. You didn't see the Jews out witnessing to the Gentiles. They kept it to themselves. MacArthur points out, he says, instead of viewing those divine truths and blessings as a trust from a gracious and forgiving God, they viewed them as their right by merit. They believed they were specially blessed, not because of God's grace, but because of their own goodness. They felt superior. They felt proud. Instead of boasting in how great God was and his glorious revelation of himself to them, they boasted in their own supposed greatness in having received it. It wasn't in the greatness of God who has it and gave it to them. It was, oh, hey, he, he gave it to us. That's, that, was the, that, that ended up being their mindset. 
by being called Jews or calling themselves Jews, they thought they were the greatest thing on earth. But they were blind to reality. See? I mean, in John chapter 8, it shows us that they put stock in the fact that they were simply descendants of Abraham. Jesus had this conversation with them. They failed to understand that this this self-righteous attitude due to who were their uh, physical ancestors did not somehow connect them to God spiritually. In other words, being Abraham's physical descendants did not make the Jews his spiritual descendants. Right? But they didn't buy that, did they? We're Abraham's children. Remember, that was their whole mindset. Do you know who you're talking to? They didn't buy that. They took pride in calling themselves Jews. In their minds, they were special. And thus, their confidence, their spiritual security was in themselves. It was not in God. It was in themselves. See? Secondly, in verse 17, what does Paul say? He says, they rely on the law. Now, this statement, like the first statement on calling oneself a Jew, is not a bad thing in and of itself, right? It's all in the context, isn't it? See? I mean, mean, what's wrong with simply relying on the law? I mean, even the psalmist said he delights in the law of God. You can think at first hand, well, that's a good thing, right? God gave the Jews and only the Jews his law. Not just as a standard for how to live their lives, how to conduct themselves, but God gave them his revelation. God gave them his plan of redemption in his law. They alone, the Jews alone, possessed the word of God. But here lies the problem. Similar to the pride of calling oneself a Jew, just because God gave you his law and some of you would teach your kids and some of you would even memorize it. But just because you did that under no circumstances meant you had an eternal favor. They didn't rely on the law because it was God's infallible, inerrant word to the Jews They relied on it as their free pass into glory. God gave it to us. God's chosen people. Nobody else. Just us. God gave his law to no other nation but to the Jews. Their pride went a little too far. See, The benefit of God giving them and them only his holy law was never realized. Oh, they praised the law of God. Don't get me wrong. They boasted in the fact that it was theirs. But it was never lived out. I mean, that brings us back to what I read earlier in verse 13. Paul said, look it, guys, it is not those who hear the law who are righteous. Well, I had to slap them upside the head. It's like, wait, what are you kidding? Because that was their, he told them that because that was their mindset. Possessing the law 
gave them a false sense of security, like everything else, because God gave it to me. I have my golden ticket. I am right with God. I'm a Jew. I'm God's chosen. I have his law. We have his law, and us only. So they call themselves Jews. We know they rely on the law. And now lastly there in verse 17, he says they brag about their relationship to God. In other words, they they boast in the fact that they are God's covenant people. It wasn't Moab. It wasn't Egypt. It wasn't Assyria. It wasn't anybody else, right? They boast in the fact that they are God's covenant people. And they were, right? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. In other words, he has pulled you out. He has separated you for himself. He says, the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. It was true, folks. It was true that God had declared himself to be their God, okay? It was with them that God has made his covenants to. As it says later in Romans chapter 9, I've quoted it before. God also gave the Jews the promises. God also gave the Jews the patriarchs and all these different things. As a matter of fact, it also says God gave the Jews the human ancestry of Christ. It came through the Jews. But, you're waiting for that, but... Like everything else, like being a Jew, uh, like possessing the law. This is not grounds for boasting, but for gratitude. Yet what do they do? They would brag. They had a self-righteous arrogance because God chose them over everybody else. As if it was somehow because of human achievement. And we all know that's not what the scripture teaches. Matter of fact, the Jews weren't even existing when God called Abraham. (laughs) There was no achievement to have. But once again, all of this had given the Jews a false sense of spiritual security. And be aware, folks, just as a side note, um, that even though this context is the first century, right? He's talking to Jews here. The very same principle applies to people today who profess to be Christians all over the place. Well, you know, they they grew up in a home where their parents took them to church. They began to go to Awanas. Nothing wrong with Awanas, by the way, but they went to go to Awanas when they were young kids. Maybe they went to a Christian university locally, right? They have no relationship to Jesus Christ, but they, like these Jews, have a fraudulent security thinking that these life events have somehow given them them this connection with the Lord and therefore their eternal destiny is secure. As if I can stand before God and say, whoa, hey, I went to Liberty University, are you kidding me? I I went to Awanas, I got my Timothy Award. You know how many scriptures I memorized? 
I went to Sunday school for years. My parents dropped me off there every Sunday. If that's where your security lies, you're in, in trouble. No different than these Jews. I mentioned it earlier. When you read those words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, many people, it says many, by the way, many people will stand before Jesus and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. They call him Lord because they think he's their Lord. They profess him as Lord with their mouth. And Jesus said to them, depart from me, I never knew you. I think it was Luke who said it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? You can't just call him Lord and think it's all good. You can't just say I'm a Jew and think it's all good. You can't just say, but I have the law. You gave it to us and us only and think you're all good. Therefore, it's like these Jews that Paul was addressing in our text. These are people who believed with their whole heart that they would spend eternity with God. Now, moving from there into verse 18, Paul was going to take what he just said in verse 17. Okay? He's going to say this. Having all of this, okay? Having all of this, he goes into verse 18. He says, since you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. Once again, I apologize, but this is one long verse. So you have to kind of keep that in mind as we go through here, okay? So he says here, you call yourself a Jew, you rely on the law, you brag about your relationship with God, and therefore, what? Since you know his will, and you prove of what is superior because you've been instructed by the law. So, so ultimately here, Paul is saying that there is no doubt that there are advantages to possessing all this. No, no, there's no question. Okay? You have your Jewish ancestry. You have a relationship with God, right? You're his chosen people. You alone were given the law of God. You and you alone were given God's holy word. And therefore, number one, what does he say? You know his will. There's a benefit, isn't it? You know his will. You know what God has desired for you. You know what God has approved. You know what God has forbidden. You know what God rewards. You know what God punishes, right? You know the will of God. He, he just lays it out for you. Secondly, what does he say? you're able to approve what is superior or essential is another word. You can, you're able to approve what is superior or essential. In other words, you, because of what you have, are able to discern between things. You're able to discern right from wrong, good from evil, what's important, what, what's not important. You're able to discern God's truth from man's philosophy, Right? You're able to approve or test, he says, what is essential. Listen, folks, the Gentiles didn't have that. The Gentiles couldn't do that. Why? Because they didn't have God's law. What does he say here in verse 18? He says they were able to do this, right? They were able to know his will. They were able to test and approve, what is, be discerning, because, what does he say? Because they were instructed with the law. As I said earlier, folks, they were taught the law. They were taught it growing up. 
They learned it from each other. They learned it in the synagogue. Some of them even memorized big chunks of the law of God. Listen, they had a head knowledge of God's law. They knew it there. They knew it. It was right there. It was packed in their head. A head knowledge. That being said, that was also the problem. They loved their knowledge just like the Greeks did. They loved their knowledge. But sadly, they became content with just that knowledge of God's law. With that knowledge, they pictured themselves, if you will, as the top of the food chain. And remember, folks, Paul knows this personally because Paul um, was what they are, right? Paul knows this firsthand. He was just like them. He was one of them. But now he knows Christ, see? With all that they possessed, they always believed they were superior to the Gentiles. Everything I have, I'm a Jew, right? I have the law, I have the relationship with God. I know his will. I can approve of what's right and wrong. I can do that. But now Paul is going to spell it out a little bit for them. Okay? Look at verses 19 and 20. Since you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, that you are a light for those who are in the dark, that you are an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Once again, stop. You know what happens in verses 21 following. <laughs> so I'm going to go backwards, okay? I'm going to look at verse 20 first. Verse 20 says, because they have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Okay? Listen, folks, there's no doubt that the Jews had this in their possession. That's not debatable. Okay? What they and they alone retained was the revelation of divine knowledge and truth. They had the law of God. Whether you want to look at that as the Pentateuch, whether you want to look at that as all of the Old Testament, the, the, the Psalms, the prophets, choose your will. You can battle that all day long. But they had it. See, there was no question there. But did you notice in the text, he doesn't say they lived it out. He doesn't say, well, because you are fully sanctified, he doesn't have, say how they were so faithful to honor the application of it. He didn't say that, man, you're the perfect people to hand this down to other generations. You are the greatest examples to these Gentiles. You can keep going on and on. He didn't say any of that. He simply said what? You have it. You have it. That's all he said. You have it. You possess it. It's like somebody having a Bible and they're blowing the dust off it. You have it, right? Well, folks, to them, it's all they needed. I have it. I got it. You don't, right? That brought them amazing arrogance. 
They were convinced in their minds of a huge distinction between themselves and the Gentiles. Not even close. Shouldn't even mention us in the same sentence. I'm not going to go through each and every one of these because we all get it. But if you start in verse 19, what does it say? They, the Jews, pictured themselves as a guide. And who were the Gentiles? The blind. (laughs) We are a guide for the blind, the Gentiles. He says they were a light while the Gentiles were in darkness. He says they were an instructor. Why? The Jews called themselves an instructor. Why? Because he says the Gentiles were foolish. It literally means without intelligence. And lastly, the Jews felt that they were teachers over the Gentiles' infancy, or immaturity is what that means. Those who need special instruction. You need instruction. You're immature. I'm the teacher, is what the Jews would say. Do you get all that? Folks, and here's the kicker. This was not hyperbole. This was not you know, exaggerated. This is actually what the Jews, how the Jews would describe themselves. Paul knows it because he could probably write that about himself many years earlier. That is literally using the verbiage of how the Jews would describe themselves. We're the guide, you're the blind. We're the teacher, you're the foolish, you're in darkness. We are the instructor. You getting all this? This is is what they're hearing. This is what they believe. As Expositor's commentary says, Paul has succeeded in exposing Jewish pride and boasting as utterly ridiculous. Now, if you don't see that today, if it was a little hard to see that in the first four verses, that's okay because it's going to be made more visible next week as we go through the last four verses because here's where all that arrogance is going to show itself, okay? As Paul continues, you will see not only outright hypocrisy, just flat-out hypocrisy, a contrast from what the Jews claim and how the Jews live. You'll see that in the next four verses. And you'll also see that final and devastating statement in verse 24. Can you imagine this coming to you as a Christian? God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, he says. You Jews who keep saying, I have this, I have this, I have this, I am privileged, I'm special, I'm smart, I'm the instructor. God's name is blasphemed because of you. And ultimately, as we're going to see, it's because everything they claim did not match up with how they lived under any stretch of the imagination. You can claim all you want. It's not reality, he says. You literally blasphemed the name of God amongst all those people that you were to be a channel. You were to be. That was my calling. It didn't happen. Think about that as we get ready for next week and we'll see the hypocrisy and and maybe challenge ourselves in our own lives. That's a devastating verse right there when you think of that being to the Jews, but you know what? How many of us can say the same thing? 
if that camera was on us or you personally for a week, 24-7, with your friends, your relationships, what you watched on TV, how you talked to people, the language you used, I don't care what it is, how you treat your spouse, whatever. Then you give it to a bunch of pagans and they watched it all. What would they think about you? It's something we all have to ask ourselves. We'll look at that next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us the time to get through this uh, text today. There's so much going on here. Um, I wish there was really more time because it would help be helpful to explain it all when you go to the second half. But, um, Lord, I hope that I was faithful uh, to this text and understanding here of what the Jews were coming from and why Paul was blasting them the way that he was. But, Lord, certainly it is, uh, the principle is challenging to us as well. Lord, we know we're not somebody special because we're Christians. We are undeserving as, as anybody else because we call ourselves the church, because we say, I'm going to heaven, I'm forgiven. Under no stretch is because of anything we have ever done or could do. And Lord, let this text remind us of the only pride we can take, the only boasting we can have, as Paul says, is in the Lord. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Because Lord, we realize we are no different than the rest of the world. The only difference is we're sinners, but we're saved. And that, of course, is to your glory. Remind us of that and remind us, Lord, to honor you with our lives, not to set ourselves apart, but to take the knowledge we know, to take that salvation message we know and share it with others who need it just as well. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.